0: The decision was easy because I didn't like video. Like I will still tell you that video is not my favorite. Look at me here, sort of like multi-videoing. You probably can't tell from this moment, but I I, I am deeply self-conscious about showing up on um, on video and doing that. So it's like doing a video series should, is not my thing. Not, that's, I'm not keen. I did, I did do them, but I, that was not my thing. So be, what, what does that leave us with? I'm not an artist. I don't like video. So that left audio. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Social Media Love podcast, where you will discover how to get more clients on social media with proven social selling strategies. And now your host, social media marketing coach, influencer, speaker, and founder of Social Media Love, Angelique Benet
1: social media love it or hate it in a world where the average daily screen time is almost seven hours a day including social media how can women entrepreneurs get a piece of this marketplace and finally fall in love with their fear of becoming visible i.e. sharing their voice, ideas, stories, irresistible, lucrative offers, beliefs, leadership, and expertise with a community of like-minded individuals in a way that feels good, genuine, and healthy. This show is exactly about this. Via storytelling, interviews, and social media marketing tutorials, every week we add a piece to the puzzle. Welcome to Social Media Love Show and welcome to the Conversation. And today actually we have the Queen of Podcasts with us. So I was telling Susan that I'm so honored you picked my podcast because you know I'm a baby podcast and I'm I'm learning how to walk with my podcast. And you're the big pro here. So I'm so happy. Thank you for, <laughs> for taking the time.
0: And well, not judging. Thank you Jimmy. for having me. <laughs> Zero judgment. This is the judgment-free zone, and I think it's awesome yeah. that people are podcasting. And I would die on the hill of podcasting. And anyone at any level is awesome. <laughs> yeah, and
1: it's so fun, actually. It, it, I don't know why it, it took me so long before I decided to give it a try, and because it's um, it's really fun. And I listen to so many podcasts. Okay, let's start with a question of truth to see if I am normal or not. Do you listen?
0: I do sometimes Okay, I do too. I do. Sometimes (laughs) I listen because I want to um, just make sure that everything is as I, you know, felt it in the moment. And sometimes I listen because it's truly sort of exciting as far as I'm concerned. It's like, you know, oh, that's there's there's a once removed sort of feeling about it where you're like, um, oh, that actually sounds pretty good if I take myself out of the equation. And then sometimes I listen because I'm in a bad mood and, and I want to just find more flaws about myself. And you know, <laughs> look, look at your voice, it was terrible. Or look at your, um, you know, I mean, how could we produce it in that way? It's not great sound. So sometimes it's an exercise in self-bashing.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. So for me, it happens, it's, it's most of the time, it's not uh, that I go and search for it, it's just I am cooking, and this is when I listen to my podcast, to people's podcast, to whoever I listen that day, and sometimes, you know, on Apple, it switched from one episode to another, to the next podcaster, and sometimes it's me, and I'm like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, it's me, and then I <laughs> And I keep listening. I love it. It's cool to see. Yeah, and some days you are very judgmental. And some days you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) And I'm lucky to have amazing guests uh, in my podcast. So today, uh, Suzanne, we're talking backstage. It's a day where we share our stories in a way that feels uh, physically. uh, Because building a business is a lot of emotions, (laughs) And it it has a lot to do with how we feel through the different stages. So that's why I love to go back to the very beginning. But before we go there, can you tell us who you serve and what you do to help people transform whatever transformation they uh, are seeking for?
0: Yes, who uh, I serve is people looking to put their voices out um, in a in a medium that is different than potentially writing. I think as as people, whether it's brands, marketers, um, whether it's founders, we've all sort of learned that putting ourselves out there and really getting people to understand who's behind a business, what drives them is pretty key, right? And I think in the past, it was done hugely through writing, like people had to show up and write, whether it was as guests in other places or in your own publications. And um, I feel like about 10 years ago, there was a big podcasting rush where a lot of specialists went down the road podcasting and then people said okay podcasting is done that the bubble is burst etc, but that's not true I think we're back to that same place where it's become mainstream so the people I serve are people looking to sort of increase their visibility, really sort of put their um put a little bit of a, a stake in the ground as far as infrastructure and marketing is concerned, because I think just like everybody else, I as well have spent a lot of time on, I spent a ridiculous amount of time on social media. Um, and in the end of it, you're like, okay, all of those pieces are in various places. One day, I'll put it all on my website so that it's all reflected there. And that probably doesn't happen as often as you want. And I feel like having a tool like a podcast or like like what you're doing, and this is awesome, by the way, Angelique, I want to tell you that the <laughs> fact that you're doing it as a live and repo into your podcast and you're doing it on multi-channels this is very impressive i'm i'm uh Thank that is you. the me- i couldn't preach anything to you at this point because i think you've got the bases covered right so um <laughs> so that's who uh that's kind of like our our target set more specifically my my little passion is to help people who probably haven't had that thought, or there's a little bit of imposter syndrome involved in it, or there's, um, there's plans, but it's never really become reality. And if I may be, you know, sort of candid, a lot of those people are women, um, because I think it's a little bit easier to jump into it. um, For many people, you know, but women struggle a little bit there's an element of per- perfectionism that's like oh i don't know how i'm going to sound or i don't know how um it's going to be difficult and i have to review all the processes etc so yeah i'd say people looking to put their voice out as a whole and specifically women is is my um is the people i'm hoping to serve
1: beautiful and uh susan we've met you know a few years ago and since then i follow uh, you uh, and all the story you share uh, actually uh, through your podcast but also in your social media content which is uh, so amazing and so uh, for you i think it's uh, it's something that you're accustomed to do to share your stories and how it supports you know the mission of your organization so today is really to help you to inspire you if you're watching or listening to the replay to to follow along, don't worry, and see how you could use your own story to shape uh, the promotion in a way that feels good for you, because you're doing what you're doing. you are here. Susan, she's gonna tell us why she's doing, she's already started, why is she doing what she's doing uh, for a reason and where it's coming from. So this is the, the spice behind it. So if you don't know where to start, I always uh, make, want to make sure, because sometimes I get too excited in our conversation, I forgot to tell you <laughs> that I have a guide with some key, you know, prompt that can help you go back in your memory, go back to things that you thought were not important at the time, but really make the difference of what of who you are today or who you want to become. So I'll put the link around this video whenever we're done. So it's called the ten storytelling ideas that you can use as a woman entrepreneur. So now it's said it's going to be around the video. Let's dive in. Are you ready, Susan? I am so ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, let's go back to the little girl. What was you know the little Susan when she was between five and ten? playing at or with or who like could you bring us back to your childhood i uh
0: you know who you became (laughs) i was um a kid who moved around a lot my parents were were travelers they were quite adventurous um I was born in India and when I was about seven years old I climbed on the first airplane of my life and went to Tanzania with my parents because my dad had a a job in Tanzania he worked in Coca-Cola at the time and I lived with them there for for a few years and then began my sort of back and forth because sort of continuing with education and stuff was a little bit hard and I went back to live with my grandparents in India and I think I spent a lot of time being by my myself Angelique I mean um and books for my best friend like it was it was difficult for me to get enough books to keep reading back then I know we had a budget I feel like we I got a book every month or something like that kind of like audible. <laughs> except (laughs) real world Um, and it was never enough like I needed more and more and so I would borrow things from my friends so I spent a lot of time and that's one of the things that attracted me to your storytelling aspect I spent a lot of time with other people's stories other people's stories was what took me out of my life it took me out of you know um feeling down missing my parents you know or like feeling hard done by or all of those negative emotions that were sort of tempted to feel um it i i feel like it was other people's stories that rescued me so that's a big part of of life so i have a great appreciation for a story well told and i feel like that was a part of what shaped me i was like you know what those beautiful words i want to know how to do that i want to learn how to do that so my first intention for myself when i was very very young even when i didn't know that this was possible is like i want to write i want to write in some way i want to bring Words to life, stories to life, you know, that kind of thing. So that was my, um, that's five to ten. A lot of loneliness and a lot of stories.
1: <laughs> oh, I love this. Do you remember um, a book that you really like, maybe? Um, one of those books that help you the
0: most? I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm 46. And at that time of my younger years, it was the Enid Blyton books that were probably... Uh, The go to. So we there was like, you know, Mallory Towers in St. Clair and these all these wonderful stories of schools and what people did in boarding school. And, you know, since then, some of those books are perhaps, you know, they've been taken out of the mainstream for kids as much because there's so much more right now things evolve that said those were pretty formative you know enid Blyton as an author and those children's books and the magic that came from it um was was what comes to mind <laughs> cool okay wow
1: thank you for sharing this so uh, susan did i how far were you in your life by the way we have the same age. Let's do a dance of the 46 woman, and years old woman. 46 <laughs> is a good age, folks. I love my 46, <laughs> yes. So um, when did you start your uh, journey as an entrepreneur? Like when were, like what was the just, what were you, before, oh, sorry, coming from a, a cold and a, it cuts my throat. What was the thing you were doing before the journey of entrepreneurship?
0: I worked I worked in a um, in a government enterprise. I was head of marketing for um, a dubai government um, enterprise which was in logistics. so it was a <clears throat> it was a proper corporate communications role. I was in Dubai at the time um, and um, i i I don't know if I hated it. I was very good at it, but, you know, I would sometimes talk about, back then I didn't have my daughter, you know, and um, I'd probably recently been married and I I didn't hate my job. I didn't love my job either, but, you know, it was kind of, it was what it was. It paid my bills. It paid my bills handsomely as well. So sometimes you, you sort of like, you're in that limbo where you're not going to make any decisions. Um, and I would love to say that that is the reason that I actually decided to move to entrepreneurship, but it was not, it was my daughter. So during that time, I made a decision that, you know what, the benefits look good. We're planning to move to Canada. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's sort of underway. And this would be a really great time to complicate that and add a child to it. Right. I mean,
1: (laughs) so that was, so everything happened first from Dubai, right? Yes. Yes. So you meant you mentioned that you had a burning desire of, you know, uh, before starting your business? And
0: what was that? I think it was sort of like freedom. Freedom is that burning desire. It was that, that, you know, I never really subscribed to these ideas that work has to be done in certain hours or, you know, you have to be in a specific location um i mean our business has always been virtual um and that's not because we didn't have a choice but it's just because i truly believe that's a better way to to operate for, at least for for me and the teams that i choose to build um so i think that freedom i i didn't love those restrictions of being in in a finite place at finite times um marketing jobs at a at a, at a corporate communications level is is high stress and you know like if you take away some of the flexibility, it's it's not a great formula. Like you cannot be expected to perform at like a level nine for 10 hours a day. It's just not possible. We know that. However, we sort of expect either ourselves or our teams to perform like that. So I think just freedom and saying there must be a better way. There's gotta be a better way. It's just a matter of finding, at that point, I still believed that I would find that in another organization. I, I believed that, you know, maybe the flexibility and that kind of thing is going to come from a different type of enterprise that i might choose to work with but um but then at in my ninth month of pregnancy when i was huge and just about waiting for my due date um was when some awful stuff happened at at my job at the time which was that you know people were starting to shall i say at that time in history in that particular part of the world um there was a lot of statements made about like, mm, this is why this job shouldn't be held by like a woman, because they're going to go off and have babies. And then once they go off and have babies, their commitment changes and just the same narrative that we've heard so many times. But then you're still surprised when it's directed at you. So I actually lost my job in my ninth month of pregnancy where I was laid off because they made excuses for it. But the fact remained that I was laid off because I was pregnant. Um You know, and at that point, I think I didn't know what was next, but I knew it was not that. I don't want more of that. I want something where I get to decide the rules. If I fail, I fail because of me. Um, If, you know, if I'm all out of luck, it's because of me, not someone else. So deciding that I didn't want a boss, I think, was was a big part of the equation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So here's that that happens. And then and then so. How do you go from first you know it's, it's emotionally but that must be something right and then second you know how do you go from this situation to the idea
0: of a potential business? Um, how did I go to the idea there was a few years <laughs> that journey took a few years I think um, you know it it was, Try. I, I mean, as far as I was concerned, I was like, try something. So my first, um, my first thought was obviously do what I know best. So I focused a little bit on on um, on the writing aspect. So the easiest thing to do was put myself out there as a freelance, you know, writer of sorts, and then check with publications and agencies and whoever else, you know, how they wanted, to, like, if they wanted to work. And I got a few gigs in that um, in that form and it was not nearly enough you know how hard it can get if you if you're like oh here I want to take this salary and I want to make that work in an entrepreneurial form that's not always a, a one-step sort of effort so I did that and no. then I think no no I love how you say it it's not always like that (laughs) it can be it can be people in Silicon Valley will have you believe that it is like that all the time uh but it's not um so around that time is when I then my husband and I together we we moved here and you know my questions became, the baby was very little, you know, she's 10 years old right now, but she was very little. And so I decided I needed some space, like, you know, take some time, figure out what I need next. And at that point, I was like, if I have to start from scratch, and this is a a bit of the immigrant journey, um, you know, like a look into the immigrant journey, when you come here as an adult immigrant, the, the, the integration into the workforce is anybody anybody's guess like how it could go great it could go poorly you could start at starbucks there's all kinds of like cliches about how that goes for immigrants um and i think when i came here i was like if i do have to start over in some ways i'm not sure that i want to start over with agency work or with like you know corporate communication or any of that like traditional marketing that was not really what i was thinking about so it's like therefore where does that leave me and then i took a complete detour on a tangent and went off and started a chocolate business because when oh i God. was in yeah when i was in um when i was in university my mom and i we used to do this together and We we did okay. We did well. It was a great side gig. And I would keep telling myself this story over and over in my head that what if what if I had done that? And could that have been a a better future for me than this? And so I was like, well, now's the time to find out. Chop, chop. You know how many people get a chance to go back and take the road less traveled. So I went down that path. Um, I probably kept at it for about a year and a half. I got a job with the chocolate factory so that I could learn. I also did my gig on the side. But that was not for me. Again, you know, people talk about how money cannot be your only motivator. But I think it's important to say that money is a key motivator. At least it is for me. Um, And the idea of working minimum wage, labor intensive work, because, yes, a chocolate person is an artisan, but there's a whole ton of labor work that goes with it. Right. And I was like, I, I really don't know if in my mid 30s, I want to be going down that road, working at minimum wage for four years just to recover the cost of the equipment that I would have to purchase. So then it came back to square one where I was like, OK, is it marketing? Like, what am I going to do? I really didn't. I thought I was done with this. And at that point, I I, I started to pull away the layers. and like, what do I hate about it? I hate team management. I hate difficult clients. I hate urgent deadlines. Uh, So where does that leave me? So it was a process of elimination. And then I came back to the writing avatar. And that's kind of how I started. I was like, but in the clarification of that, what I think came through was I don't want to be a lifestyle writer because I think people want that. Like there's a lot of takers for the cool lifestyle B2C marketing gigs. There's not nearly as many takers for what I call the unsexy back end, right? I mean, uh, people don't want to be writing about finance and legal and whatever. So I was like, okay, that sounds, I'll take it. I'll take that job. I'll write about, you know, finance and legal and all of those things. And that's, I think, how the momentum started to build. It's like, there's not enough people who wanted to create material or create content in those areas. So I feel like some of my point of differentiation was I'm the queen of boring content if it's boring I can probably help you
1: (laughs) oh that's interesting so but you get to uncover that you know that those topics were the ones how did I how did I find the people
0: who wanted it yeah um yeah
1: no you how did you come to that
0: kind of discovery and and own it I think I can be a little bit cerebral when it comes to things like that, where I draw little Venn diagrams and I'm like, this is out and this is out. And then what's left in the middle, you know, so I think a little bit of that sort of, like I said, elimination where um, I did obviously get into like, OK, maybe I'll apply for this role or maybe I'll reach out to that. And a couple of I, I started to look at the patterns. So there's yeses and there's noes and The yeses tended to come from the same category. So sometimes I think if we really sit down and observe patterns, we can we can uncover almost anything. Right. So that was, I think, my process now beginning to realize that, okay, I want to do that. And then actually finding that was was another step. So towards that end, again, as an immigrant, my I came here knowing like three people, you know, and like you start from zero, literally. So I had to start thinking about how do you build that network, right? So um, one of the ways I thought was great was education. So I signed up for a couple of certifications and courses. One of them was University of Toronto. There was a few other things. And so that's how I chose. I was like, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I deeply enjoy learning. Um, and the process of, of showing up and regularly self-improving um, also gave some other people in those masterminds an opportunity to see a piece of my brain. It's like, okay, this person, you know, Uh, is is committed they show up they do their stuff and so I got a fair few people who became my clients out of those classes and learning efforts which to me was like this is doubly awesome a I get to learn b I get to get clients out of the place where I learn that's that's kind of (laughs) decent
1: oh yeah that's so smart yeah love that that's a good uh, a good way of approaching networking through education yes I love this yeah. Okay. So um, now, what's the bridge with podcasts? So what, so I guess, when you started to to come into that niche that nobody else wanted, you know, what was the thing you were trying to accomplish that you said, mm, I need to go to podcast," Or what was
0: the, the thing that happened? It was sort of like, uh, I think it comes back to, to results, right? Like, I mean, blogging, is, was the way in which people created content for the longest time. And I far far be it from me to say that blogging doesn't work anymore. It's just that it's a lot more cluttered. Just to give you figures you've probably heard before a hundred times, there's 500,000 blogs and there's only, sorry, 500 million blogs and there's only 2 million podcasts. So the clutter is a whole lot less. And I think by virtue of its format itself, it just, it's a little bit more accessible. It's easy to do passively it's easy to um, sort of like change up the speed. Yeah, sure, there are skilled readers who can speed read, but like podcasting literally allows you to listen to it at a different speed and whatever. So I think that I came to that decision because people's results were stalling on some levels. Like whether it was clients or us, itself, it was like, okay, we're doing this regularly. And it's not quite getting us to the results that, you know, we're hoping to. So something's got to give. So what's the something that's got to give? The decision was easy, because I didn't like video, like, I will still tell you that video is not my favorite. Look at me here, sort of like multi videoing, you probably can't tell from this moment. But I I, I am deeply self conscious about showing up on um on video and doing that. So it's like doing a video series shoot, is not my thing. I'm not keen. I did. I did do them, but that was not my thing. So what what does that leave us with? I'm not an artist. I don't like video. So that left audio. (laughs) (laughs) And then that was a big
1: epiphany. What do you like
0: about audio? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've found my, my calling, like my 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 method of connecting with the world it's um and it's not it wasn't even my idea like will lamont who is my partner in the business um and a member of the team it was his idea he's like i think we should do a podcast susan and i was like we're about 10 years too late as marketers for the podcasting game. And he's like, no, I don't think so. I think we should do it anyway because, you know, it's going to it's gonna become a thing. And so I said, okay, let's try. And as soon as we tried, I want to say two or three episodes in, at the point where even he was saying to him, like saying, like, look, we sound terrible and it sounds tinny and I can hear the echoes. And like, I say these words terribly. It's so easy to get micro-focused on, on everything that's wrong with it. But I, I something about that moment made me be able to like, take a little higher view of it and say, this is not bad at all. This is actually awesome. And I think we should stay with it. Um, and the more I do it, it's like it comes back to your your the premise of your show, which is, It's storytelling. Like, I love having conversations with people. I love understanding what's behind. And the the hook of our podcast is what keeps you up at night. We call it the 4 a.m. report. And, you know, we ask guests what keeps you up at night. And people rarely answer that dishonestly. Anyone will tell you if you're like, what keeps you up at night? And then they have an answer for you. And then behind that, then you get to discover who they are and then the layers of awesomeness. So I was like, I love conversation i i love smaller circles of people like put me in a networking event and i will get lost with the wallpaper because i'm not going to be very good at inserting myself into groups and things like that but put me in a one-on-one conversation and and that's my jam so why not
1: (laughs) and and you have a tool that is part of who you are humor you use humor all the time, and that's I what do. I love about you guys. <laughs> You're so funny. Tell tell me more about that. Is that something you worked on, or is it something
0: that is you were born with this? I think it's it's a part of the you know, I love that you asked that five to ten question because so much of our mindset and the way in which we think and the way in which we perceive the world happens between the ages of five and ten. Um, and part of that being alone and having to sort of interact with a lot of grown-ups who are not my parents um, i think it gave me uh it gave me a bit of a like I call it a defense mechanism that was my defense mechanism that was my way of being like you know what if nobody will ask you questions too deeply if you if you're cheery and sunshiny and you have lots of funny things to say and and quite early I'm like oh look the grown-ups are laughing at my jokes and that must mean it's a good thing and you know like somebody would call me and say hey repeat that thing you said right now and I'd be like oh I guess this is working so I have an early connection with humor I want to say I put a lid on it for a very long time because working in more serious organizations like you know whether it's larger corporates or um governmental whatever i was still a little crazy in my internal interactions but like if i stood up to be like representing a brand you probably wouldn't hear me being funny or any of that and then i discovered that i really do fall flat when i'm not funny because that's my that's my natural <laughs> So over the years, and I want to say more recently, it's probably only in the last five years or so that I've learned how to bring that back and make it work for me. I've learned to use it to diffuse tension. I've learned to use it to to sort of like allow curiosity without being intrusive. Um, I've I've learned how to use it just to cut clutter. It's like you can read marketing lessons from anybody there's so many people who can teach you beautiful things uh in the end it's about do you connect with them are you likely to do what they are saying are you likely to be inspired by them and apply something today right and so i find in today's world humor is a pretty good way to do that so that's why i'm actually writing the, a book it's supposed to be published later um this Whoa. year it's called the other eq and eq stands for entertainment quotient uh <laughs> since over the last five years i've realized that. Yes, it's easy for someone to to look at me and be like, hmm, she was born funny. And, you know, I can't do it because I'm not funny. Well, I wasn't born funny either. And over the years, I've just discovered that it works for me. And there are formulas and ways in which you can, you, can, you don't have to be a stand-up comic. You just don't have to be dry either, is my theory. <laughs> so how did you... Uh... You know, because so last
1: weekend I was on a retreat with women entrepreneurs and you were saying at the beginning, you know, for women, it's harder to show up. Um, and some of them uh, were asked, like, were hesitating to start cracking jokes or am I going too far or so how did you learn to be comfortable and don't worry about how people react to your jokes or to your way of being?
0: Uh In the end, I think it comes back down to like, are you comfortable in your own skin? You know, and the closest parallel that I can think of to draw is um, what do you show up as with your friends? Like, if you're in a group with your friends, drinking a nice bottle of wine. What are you like? Are you are you the one that tells the stories? Are you the one that asks the questions? Are you the one who laughs with somebody else? Or are you the ones, one who tells the jokes? I don't know. So you got to figure out who you are, I think, a little bit as, as and what you feel comfortable in. Um, and in that, there will be clues. None of us is dead boring. We've all got relationships with people who think <laughs> we're awesome. Nobody's boring. <laughs> but somehow we oh,
1: tend to show stop up. Stop laughing. You, I, I laugh over your beautiful quote. I always take quotes from my guest, and I just, can you repeat, please? Nobody is one dead
0: boring. I love Nobody's it. Nobody is dead boring. Nobody is dead boring. Like y- if you see people interact with their family, their friends, the people they choose to hang out with often, you're probably interesting in some way. And there's probably aspects to your personality that, um, that are refreshing and entertaining. And it's just a matter of saying, how do I translate that? Like for what it's worth right now, we're all gonna be showing up in two dimension for a good portion of our time, right? I mean, we're all gonna continue to be doing business online. We're going to continue to sort of um, like have people learn about us, what we do, how we can save the world through our personalities online. And I feel like just trying to translate that IRL into uh, into some of this is is not as hard as we imagined. <laughs> Love it. What was
1: the R-O-L? Like return on laughing? Return on laughing. <laughs> is that what
0: you said? What was that
1: acronym you said? know um, how I interpreted it.
0: <laughs> return on laughing is awesome. I'm gonna borrow that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah okay so susan um you do you remember the the first time the, the big payoff of that adventure deciding to go full-on podcasting and becoming those experts that now you are in that market um what was the biggest payoff where well, you said okay oh that's it this is it
0: Okay, I think that that was actually, we didn't intend to go down this line. So when we became podcasters, our, our our goal was the podcast will be an engine for us, it will be an engine for us to show up and and like market ourselves in a consistent, disciplined, you know, brand comes forward kind of way, right. And uh, I didn't, I didn't at that point, and this was about two, maybe two and a half, close to three years ago. At that point, the goal was not a podcasting agency. This uh, this level of niching down into this wasn't on my plans for that year. Um, what was the sort of a, a, sh- a shift was when an existing client who um, was doing work with us for, they already created like reports and a bunch of content with us um, and they got in touch and they said, do you do podcasts for other people? And my answer was, we do now. We, we, we do now. Would you <laughs> like us to? <laughs> Would you like us to do a podcast for you? And they said yes. And um, that project obviously came through because there's some. there was already a connection with that client. And it was only the format that was changing. So nothing uh, major in a shift. But I think it created a big shift in my head because that went well. And it was a fairly like big name in the workplace industry. And they ended up having the head of global real estate for Twitter asked to be on their podcast. And then it really served all their goals. So I was like, this is awesome. Not only are we able to do it as a content execution play, we're also able to deliver for them, map it against their revenue goals and like really ensure that it can work for somebody other than us, right? And so I think that became... a a case in my head, which was like, I passed that test. So this looks possible. So after that, that allowed me to make it like outbound, like I started to reach out to folks and say, you know, I see that you're doing a podcast and you're DIYing your podcast. Are you interested in having a conversation about how you can have someone help you with it? And then more and more people said yes. And so I just went with the flow. And (laughs) here we are.
1: Ah, you just went with the flow. I love it. So the power of opportunities, right? Someone told you, do you do this? Sure. Now we do.
0: (laughs) Love it. Yes. Now we do. I mean, people say that to you and you like, you know, like stay yes and figure out how later, but I can't tell you how true it is for, for my life, where I don't necessarily say yes to everything. I won't do that for everything. Um, You know, but there are some things where I'm like, yeah i i really do i I do i know how to do that and um i think it's very important to stay in tune with those parts and um jump into it what is that what is that cliche like jump off the cliff and then build your wings on the way down um that's very very much my approach to most things jump off the cliff we'll see how it goes (laughs)
1: Thank you for sharing
0: this
1: um i have two more questions for you i know you're busy um what are your biggest fears as a woman entrepreneur now that you're full in and it's been how many years
0: have you been in business now um in in this current form we've been in business for about five years before that i did some of my so i'd say about seven or eight years that i've been like in the in the marketing entrepreneurship sort of space um what is my fear like i'd say various degrees depending on which day you're speaking to me various degrees of visibility fears is still my thing you know um i still get anxious like a half hour before we were due to do this i will get out and i i will actually be like what is wrong with me why would i agree to do this 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 sounds hard and you know all my internal monologue and you know that stuff comes out so visibility is definitely my problem i think i've spent a few years working on getting past that like what i've worked on trying to like sort of like get my confidence higher because that is definitely um like a problem for me. Um, So yeah, I continue to be afraid. But you know what, sometimes, like when I was little, my way of dealing with darkness and sounds in the darkness and imagined monsters was to turn around and look straight at it and then let myself know there is no monster there. It's just the darkness and the shadows. So I think I take the same approach to it, to that fear. It's like, yes, I am afraid of it, um, but it's just a monster in the dark unless I stare it in the eye. And I'm like, no, oh, there's no monster. Um, and then I keep doing it. <laughs>
1: That's awesome! I love
0: it. And so, what's your relationship with social media?
1: Talking about visibility, how would you describe your uh, your uh, your
0: relationship? I think I I've learned how to have a, a a healthy relationship with social media. I I've owned the fact that showing up in two dimension with well written words and images and you know videos that are a little bit more casual that's that's you know i like it i enjoy it that said i am not a fan of facebook i left facebook a couple years ago um and i never went back um i asked myself as a marketer is that the wisest decision because it's ignoring a huge pool of people um but i stuck with it because i'm like you know what i i what is the what is the there's got to be some integrity of thoughts and i repeatedly find myself whether it's in our marketing news stories or anything else we repeatedly cover things in the news which have to do with the way in which facebook operates and just sort of sticking around and saying i'm going to be here despite that wasn't a choice for me so i did leave facebook i haven't fully left instagram the company shows up and does things i'm here right now um but yeah so that that is a I'd say that's where I'm at. My, I have a very good relationship. A, a lot of people in my business universe come in through LinkedIn. Like they've either seen something or somebody sent them a profile, you know, or or you know something along those lines. So I tried to focus. So I have a healthy relationship with that. I don't spend ridiculous amounts of time on it. It's so easy to just sit there and scroll and think everybody has a perfect life. Um, But no, I don't I don't do that anymore. (laughs) It's a great tool. I've learned how to wield it. Um, I've left the ones that don't work for me. And right now I feel balanced.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful. I want to say uh, that uh, uh, Brittany here in the comments says um, when you were talking about the beginning of your story, when you uh, lost your job because you were uh, pregnant and she says I was never pregnant but I was let go by an agency the day after I came back from my honeymoon no idea we had this similar experience <laughs> and now just look at
0: us <laughs> I know Marking it's so true it. uh, uh, thanks for that Brittany it's true sometimes like maybe maybe it's just that in that moment we would not have taken that step perhaps of moving away to something that, that we wanted. And, and then at the risk of sounding woo woo, maybe this is the universe's way of providing that little push, like go baby bird, go fly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They say everything is happening or everything uh, is happening for your highest good. So here we go. So is there anything I should have asked?
0: that you'd like me to ask or to share with us? Go for um, it. I think you've done a really great job of, I, there's some parts of the story that I haven't really spoken about in a while. But um, no, I think the, the only thing that I would um, would sort of like to encourage people to think about is um, is that part about becoming your actual in real life self, right? I mean, try to find ways in which you can bring it to life. And obviously I'm super biased. I think a podcast is a really great way to do that because you get to show up and do it with a bit more space. But I think trying to tap into, put your voice out there, no matter what it is, tell your story. Like you say, like, you know, um, people, can replicate all kinds of formulas. They can't actually replicate your story. Even if people had two of the exact same experiences, like Brittany is talking about how that particular thing happened to her, it happened to me. But I can bet you, if we each write our story, the stories will still be different, right? And so I think it's really important to to just figure out what it is that you wanna say to the world and then show up and say it. And if you can add humor to it, you've won a friend.
1: So Suzanne I put the link to your uh, company in the comments and I'll put it if you're uh, listening to the podcast or wherever you're watching I will go back and circle back and put it there and we'll be publishing anyway a lot of promotion about our discussion because it's awesome it's inspiring always always so thank you so much. And then, if you're watching the replay or listening to the podcast, let us know which part really resonated with you. I love that uh, Brittany, you share that part of the story that really bring back, you know, the what happened to you. It's kind of similar to me. I was not pregnant, but uh, my business started when I got fired not my not fired per se, but they cut my position, which is kind of the same. But.
0: <laughs> redundant. This is it. Yeah, even I keep saying
1: it's, that. It's, I use the my, F word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's uh yeah it, it, it kind of pushed me as well So like, okay so you want to get rid of me i'm going to build my own thing now watch <laughs> so me still actually uh <laughs> uh have uh like four days a week uh working uh, as an employee and i always told my boss you know uh, i have a business because next time it's the same employer and next time you guys Put me out. uh, I am okay. I got this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for uh, all the energy you put in there. And thank you for you watching here on Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook and the podcast. So ciao, ciao. Thank you. Thank you, Susan.
0: You've been listening to the Social Media Love Podcast from Angelique Benet. If you want to grow your product or service business with social media, visit SocialMediaLoveAB.com.